Now, Birdsong, fun and fascinating talk about the top stories in today's headlines. Birdsong may just be the most qualified talk show host in the business, thanks to his many careers in law, government, and education. Here's your host, Leonard Birdsong. Hello, folks. It's Birdsong again, back with you on the radio. So glad to be with you. I'm here with my friend E.J., we have a good uh, good show for you today. You want to speak some French to the audience? EJ? Ça va bien? Ça va bien? <laughs> okay, my French is not that good, but are you okay? Is that what it means? We. Oui. Okay, oui. good, all right. It's good to have someone who can speak French here, but it gives a little cachet to the program, folks. But anyway, we will be talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly of the news of the past week that I think is important that people should know about. And uh, we will not do some criminal, dumb criminal law stories this week. The reason being, I want to change up a little bit and bring you some news tidbits that I've been collecting over the first part of the year. It's news that is true, but probably you haven't heard about it. We will also have some riddles, of course, and there will be a Paul Harvey story today. Let's jump right into things. Let's talk about the good of last week. It's sort of a dovetail story. Here's some information about it. A U.S. military plane made a rare flight to North Korea on Friday the 20th of July to retrieve 55 cases said to contain the remains of U.S. service members missing since the Korean War, a move that U.S. officials hailed as a sign of improving relations between the two longtime enemies. North Korea and the United States. The Air Force plane left an air base in South Korea to fly to the coastal North Korea city of Wonsan to pick up the remains before returning to the base on what was the 65th anniversary of the end of hostilities in the uh, Korean War. Troops from different UN countries were there to honor the return of the remains. Most of you don't know that close to 7,700 U.S. service members remain unaccounted for from the 1950 to 1953 Korean War, with about 5,300 of our soldiers lost in North Korea. More than 36,000 Americans were killed in the Korean War. Now, we fought under the guise of the U.N., We were not the only people who fought North Korea. However, this is important because it's been 25 years since the armistice was signed. There's still no peace treaty. Our Secretary of Defense, Mattis, says the return of these remains is very important because many families have not gotten closure as to what may have happened to their relatives. They may have gotten a telegram, but they didn't ever have any returns of their bodies or effects or anything like that. So President Trump says this is a good thing. He thanked North Korea for sending the bodies or the remains home. That was part of making them available because we went and collected them. Well, I guess we did. Mm -hmm. I want to dovetail into another story that has to do with the Korean War a little bit. It has been 70 years since President Truman desegregated the armed forces of the United States. 
Harry S. Truman. He didn't start out as a champion of, of uh, race relations, but he evolved as he became president. On July 26, 1948, 70 years ago, he desegregated the Army of the Military of the United States. He signed an executive order number 9981 and declared that there would be equality for all races in the American military. As a result, for the first time during the Korean War, African-American soldiers fought alongside of white soldiers. Previous to this, African-American soldiers fought by themselves. They were trained separately from whites. The war uh, was over, and it was still segregated, but Truman, who was thought to be a segregationist, decided that it was time to desegregate the military so that everyone would be equal. Now, Truman was really from the South, or at least his family was, and uh, they once owned slaves. But it's good to him 70 years ago that he signed an order desegregating the military. Well, it make, <clears throat> I've heard stories. My father served in a segregated army. He was in New York when he was drafted in 1942, I think. And um, he was stationed at southern bases. The whole army was segregated, meaning they weren't on the same bases. That's and, right. Uh, having been a New Yorker, it was certainly shocking for him to be serving on bases in the South. When he wanted to go to town, he had to abide by the southern rules of segregation. While in New York, he could ride the subway, ride a bus, any, and sit anywhere he wanted. And suddenly he had to sit in the back of the bus and, um, I guess go to the back door of, uh, you know, uh, uh, what might be some kind of a McDonald's or ice cream place. Go to the back door to be served. And um, sadly, when uh, he was stationed, I think it was in Texas, German POWs were there, prisoners of war, and they were treated better than the uh, black soldiers. What a shame. I think they went to, they had a, a party or something, the Germans could go to the parties. And um, that might have been bases where there were uh, other army. The white army was there. Anyway, it's sad. Yeah, it's very sad. But but no, this is good news. The it's good, good news, news about that, the desegregation. Finally desegregated because you form strong bonds with people you've served with. Yep. You know, brotherhood, going through the same issues, and uh, that wasn't allowed to happen. Um. There might have been fights, but certainly, you know, they shouldn't have been made to, to serve in those southern states as well. Yeah. A little bit more about Truman. We'll move on to the next story. Truman would become the first American president to, to proclaim equality of blacks, according to the Truman Library. And uh, his transformation was considered 
very radical because his family, as I said, had owned slaves at one time. Truman was born 20 years after the end of the Civil War. That was 
uh, from January 2016 to March of 2017, according to financial disclosure forms she's filed. Well, that's when she, her father was running for president. Yep. That was during the height, height of the campaign. Um, and when Nordstrom stopped selling her products, he criticized them publicly. That's right. So she was he was using his position to help her in her business. And and to, and so that that means that uh, she was benefiting from his office. Yep. That's, but the idea right. that she never talked about moving her manufacturing operation to the United States uh, is shocking, given that her commitment, quote unquote, to uh, to bringing jobs here. It's like let somebody else do it. She was she wanted to move her manufacturing plant from China to and Indonesia. Ethiopia. Yeah, I heard that too. She wanted to Not move to China Ethiopia. To here. Ethiopia, is, <laughs> I guess it's cheaper to make things in Ethiopia than it is in China and Indonesia. Well, but that once didn't you get work. into politics, you're not supposed to be about the cost and the economics. Yeah. You're supposed to be about supporting the U.S. Uh, economy. Yeah, e- easier said than done. Yeah, right. Okay. All right, well, we talked about the good and a little bit of the bad. There are a lot of other bad things, but I won't mention them. Those are the things that stood out to us during the week. We're going to take a break here in just a moment, and we'll come back, and we're going to talk about the ugly of the week. And boy, is it ugly. You're listening to Birdsong. I'm here with EJ. Stick with us. Don't go away. There's more to come, and you'll like what you hear. Bertong back with you. I said, don't go away. I'm glad that you didn't. I'm here with EJ. We talked about the good and bad news of the week that we wanted to talk about. Now we're going to talk about the ugly. Now, many of you have heard that, of course, there's been an investigation of the president going on for almost all of his presidency. And there have been meetings with Russians. Russians are popping up all over Washington. There was a big meeting back in July 2016 before the election where there was a meeting of uh, Mr. Manafort, who was the campaign director, Jared Kushner, the son-in-law of the president. And um, who else was in that meeting? The son, Donald Trump Jr., was in that meeting. They were there thinking they were going to get information on Hillary Clinton that could help their father's uh, election. Mr. Trump has always denied he knew of the meeting in advance, but here's some information. This happened last week. President Trump denied again last Friday that he knew in advance about the Trump Tower meeting in June 2016 between the Russian lawyer his eldest son, and other campaign ads that had been convened to hear dirt on the Democratic rival Hillary Clinton. Trump tweeted, no, he did not know the meeting with my son Don. However, CNN reported the day before Thursday of last week 
that Trump's former longtime lawyer and fixer, Michael Cohen, claims Trump knew in advance about the meeting. CNN cited several anonymous sources saying uh, Mr. Cohen was willing to share that information with special counsel Robert Mueller, who is investigating possible collusion between Trump's campaign and Russia. Now, why is this ugly? We know that Mr. Trump has been saying there was no collusion with the Russians. He had nothing to do with it. There's no obstruction of justice. And he's put the worst lawyer in the world out on TV to shout his praises and tell him he's not guilty of anything. That lawyer being Rudy Giuliani. Mr. Giuliani has been the spokesperson for Mr. Trump for several months now. Aaron Blake of Washington Post wrote, President Trump's defense in the Russia investigation has been a study in goalpost moving, constantly watering down previous denials and raising the standard for what would constitute actual wrongdoing. But rarely has it been so concentrated in one morning. Trump's lawyer and spokesman, Giuliani, appeared on Fox News last week on a morning show, several morning shows, to downplay the idea that colluding with Russians would have even been illegal and to argue against strawmen. The most notable portion of the interviews was when Giuliani rekindled the idea that collusion isn't a crime. Trump defenders occasionally noted that the word doesn't appear in the criminal code, the U.S. criminal code, which is true, but it's misleading. Giuliani took it even a step further. He basically suggested Trump would have had to pay the Russians to interfere on his behalf, and they didn't pay anything. Now, all of this comes down to they're changing the goalposts. They're moving them. Mr. Giuliani argues Collusion is not a crime. I don't even know if it's a crime. Colluding with Russians, hacking is the crime. The president didn't hack. But ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, I've been in lots of conspiracy cases, and colluding can be part of a conspiracy. Now, a conspiracy, as I may have said before, is that when two or more people get together and agree to do something that is illegal, And they all agree. Now, with a conspiracy, all the other conspirators may not know each other. However, they've all made an agreement to go after some target that is illegal. What has been illegal here? Russia has tried to interfere and has interfered with our elections. They have tried to mess with our democracy. This is a crime against the United States. A conspiracy is a crime of people agreeing, concluding, confederating, or conspiring to do things against the laws of the United States. And taking action. And taking action on it. You have to be some overt action, at least one overt act, and there have been a lot of overt acts. But let's get back to this whole thing. For 76 times, Donald Trump, before last Friday, said there was no collusion with the Russians. However, on 
this Monday, or like really, it started last Friday. Giuliani is saying, so what if he colluded? It's not a crime. Well, it can be a crime because it is a conspiracy against the United States. Most conspiracy indictments, and I've read a lot of them, I've written them, the defendants known and unknown to the grand jury did, in fact, agree, conspire, collude and conspire to defraud the United States of America. And the point is, is that you don't have to know all the other conspirators. You have to don't have to know what they exactly agreed to. You can be a part of it. What this whole thing is now is Giuliani is trying to say collusion is not a crime. And there is no word in the U.S. criminal code that says collusion is a crime. What it says is conspiracy is a crime, but collusion can be part of a of a conspiracy. This whole thing is ugly. We have a president of the United States who says he did nothing, but he certainly knew quite a bit. Now, back in back in the uh, back in the uh, campaign, the, the camp. No, not back in the day. Then the campaign in 2016, Trump made a speech at a rally. That Russia, if you're listening, could you find the 30,000 missing emails from Hillary Clinton's server? Our media people, our journalists would be happy if you did that. Now, the very next day, the Russians started hacking into Hillary Clinton's server. Now, this is not proof, but it sure is some smoke to show that he might know what the Russians were going to do or could do, and he's asking them to do it. This can be an overt act as part of a conspiracy. Mm. You've heard it from Birdsong. Uh, isn't that something? I was thinking about uh, Giuliani. You say he's a, a bad lawyer. He wasn't even being a lawyer. He's, he's his spokesperson. He's, he's ignoring his legal understanding of the process. He's, a, he's a, acting as, a, what's the term, uh, in name only. He's a lawyer in name only for this for this part that he's playing. He's a mouthpiece. Okay. Now, no, he was a good lawyer at one time. He was a federal prosecutor. He he ran the Southern District of New York. He, he did a lot of Southern District. That's exactly office. right. And he, so he knows... The law. He got a lot of mobsters, mafia people, sent to prison because he was a pretty good lawyer. He later became the the, the mayor mayor of New York City. But now he's a great Trump supporter, and he's willing to say anything that sounds silly to most people who know anything about the law and the law of conspiracy. What did he know and when did he know it? Mr. Trump said he didn't know anything about this meeting, so you can't implicate me in it. However... He's just, you know, every time Trump says something, he needs, he wants to say it through, or he gets to say it through Giuliani. And that's ugly. It really is ugly. So, we don't know where this is going to go. There's going to be a report written by the special counsel, Robert Mueller. They say that uh, the... Department of Justice regulations say you can't or shouldn't try to indict a sitting president. However, you can say 
that he's implicated in a conspiracy if there is evidence to show that. And so what we have here is that there have been denials. When the denials wear out, they then say, oh, it wasn't a crime anyway. But it is a crime to work with a foreign government against the United States and our democracy. I want everyone to remember that. You may love Trump. You may hate Trump. But if he has colluded, conspired, confederated, and help the Russians to help destroy our democracy. He's a bad man. He's called, he's violated the law. <laughs> and no one is supposed to be above the law. Now, I heard a term yesterday or day before yesterday that I'd never heard before. It was in an op-ed piece. They're now calling certain people who are backing Mr. Trump against the uh, special counsel, they are now called Putin Republicans because they don't care that Putin has tried to demolish our democracy by hacking and lying and spreading this information. It is awful. This is Birdsong. I'm here with EJ. Stay with us. We have more. Glad to be here. Hello, folks. This is Birdsong back with you. We have EJ here, too. We've been talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly news of the week that we wanted to talk about. Now, usually at this segment, I read you some dumb criminal law stories. I collect those stories. I love them. They're from all over the world. They're true. Most of them sort of funny. But I'm not going to read some this week because I also collect what are called news tidbits. It's true news that most people never hear about. But I'm here to tell you a little bit about it. I've been collecting some stories from the first part of 2018. Here's our first news tidbit, a headline. U.S. will meet, M-E-A-T, meet up this year. Americans will eat more protein-rich meat in 2018 than ever before, in part because of a trendy low-carb diet. This is according to the Department of Agriculture. They predict that we will be eating more meat. They say the average American will gobble down 222.2 pounds of red meat and poultry this year, topping the record in 2004 when consumers ate 2,221.9 pounds, according to the USDA. Now, among Americans, they also predict that American egg com- American egg consumption also is expected to reach an all-time high and cheese will grow in popularity the Department of Agriculture says. I don't know if any of you saw that news before but I was here to give it to you. I thought there were more and more vegetarians. Well, there may be, but there may be more and more people like me eating meat. <laughs> well, we know they put cheese and bacon on everything. That's right. All right, here's another news tidbit that most of you probably didn't hear about. They, the headline read, these are some big cups to fill. These are some big cups to fill. The world's biggest bra is for sale on eBay for nearly $700. 
Wow. Constructed in London in 2011 to raise awareness of breast cancer, the bright pink bra is about 96 feet long and has an estimated cup size of 1360B. All proceeds raised from the sale will go to the charity Breast Cancer Care. And what are they supposed to do with the bra? I don't know. I don't think they're going to find anyone who'll fit into that bra, but I guess it can be a, I don't know, something to... A prop for, yeah. for a silly movie. Well, it could be. Who knows? Headline of our next story. Oops a doggy says, oops a doggy. That's the headline. Michael Ryder was cleared for $360 a week in Michigan unemployment benefits earlier this year until the state learned he's a German shepherd. <laughs> Ryder's owner, Sagatok attorney Mitchell Haddock, no, I'm sorry, it's Michael Haddock, received a, benefit, a benefits letter addressed to Michael Ryder from the State Unemployment Insurance Agency, the agency said Haddock contacted them about the mix-up. A computer system caught the error before any money was dispersed to the dog. What a mix-up. <laughs> Oops, a doggy, huh? Now, speaking of dogs, here comes another story from Russia. Headline, Dog Shoots Owner. Kills owner. A Russian hunter was shot dead by his own dog when the excited pooch hopped up on his lap and tapped the man's shotgun, which discharged into oh his stomach. Gosh. The accident happened when Sergei Tekakov, 64, was hunting rabbits in the remote Saratok region of Russia, according to reports. Tekakov's double barrel shotgun was resting on his, um, Knee when his Estonian hound bounded toward him and bumped the weapon with his paw, causing it to fire. What a sad story. Killed by his own dog. Mm -hmm. uh, well. Was he arrested? No, the dog wasn't arrested as I understand it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's one from Arizona. An Arizona court has ruled that parents taking cute photos of their children in the bathtub is not sexual exploitation, according to azfamily.com website. A Walmart employee dropped the dime on A.J. and Lisa DeMari a decade ago after developing photos of their one-, four-, and five-year-old daughters taking a bath. The big court says it's not child exploitation. Oh, those are cute photos. They usually are cute. Yes, I remember when uh, I had a young child, young child, children, we used to love to see them in the bathtub, get them clean, make them smell better. And it was fun. Well, they'd have toys in there. Yep, rubber duckies and things like that. Uh -huh. Here's another story that you probably haven't heard, the headline, The Geek Shall Inherit the Earth. The Church of Satan, and yes, there is a Church of Satan, says sex bots will be mankind's salvation. Why? Because they'll be, they will let humans exercise their darkest sexual fantasies without harming others. Quote, scientists and techno geeks 
are doing a bang-up job improving sex dolls to satisfy your most secret desires, said a recent blog post for the church's 50th anniversary. That's the Church of Satan, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you didn't hear that story, did you, E.J.? No. Most people hadn't heard that one. <laughs> now, here's one. Death by lightning. Death by lightning has hit an all-time low in the U.S., with just 16 people electrocuted in the year 2017, last year. The record low number is seven fewer than the previous low of 23 deaths in 2003. This compares to a high of 432 deaths in 1943 and 39 in 2016. Beware of lightning. However, less fewer people are being struck. Couple of more stories and we will finish this segment. Here's one that you probably haven't heard. The oldest man ever to ride a roller coaster, get a tattoo and perform a daring repelling stunt says whiskey's the key to his vitality. <laughs> Jack Reynolds is a spry 105 year old from the North Midlands in England. He swears by one shot of whiskey in his tea every morning. Wow. And two shots of whiskey in his lemonade at night. A <laughs> <laughs> hundred and five, and he's riding roller coasters and getting tattoos. All right. Well, I guess he knows. He's got the secret. Yep, he's got the secret. Headline for the next story. It's Nip Tuck meets Animal Planet. A dozen camels were booted from a beauty contest in Saudi Arabia earlier this year when judges discovered their owners had pumped them up with Botox. <laughs> the cheaters injected the animals' lips and noses to make them look more plump and attractive at the King Abdulaziz Camel, Feet, no, Camel Festival in Ruma, Saudi Arabia, according to one of the judges. Wow. I have never heard of camel festivals and beauty beauty festivals for camels. Camels are some of the ugliest animals in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Well, that's why they gave them those uh, plump lips. <laughs> the cheaters injected the animals' lips and noses to make them look more plump and attractive at the Camel Festival in Ruma, Saudi Arabia. How about that, huh? Well, folks, those are the news tidbits that I wanted you to hear. You probably haven't heard that news anywhere else. These <laughs> new, this news is true. Most of it comes from the um, AP, and uh, I'm here to let you know about it. There will be more as we go on with the show, and I'll be back to some of my dumb criminal law stories. Right now, I have three riddles for you. EJ, are you ready for these riddles? I'm ready. All right. Here's the first one. Why was the belt arrested? Why was the belt arrested? Don't tell me now. Think about it. At the end of the show, I'll come back with the answers. Wow. Second riddle. What did one elevator say to the other? What did one elevator say to the other? Yeah. I don't know. Finally, number three. Small babies are delivered by a stork. What are larger babies delivered by? Stick with us. We will come back with the answers at the end of the show. We have a Paul Harvey rest of the story waiting for you when we come back. 
Stick with us. This is Birdsong. Stick with us. This is Birdsong. Don't go away. There's more to come. Birdsong back with you. Happy to be here. Glad you're listening. EJ here is here with me. I'm going to do a. Uh, I'm going to do a Paul Harvey story this week. It's called "We're Going to Make You a Star." The path from anonymity to stardom is almost always under construction. Sometimes it's a dead end. Sometimes it's deceptively paved with fool's gold. Still, if the yellow brick road were a superhighway, there'd be more of us on the screen than in the theater. The movie business is glutted with 10-year overnight successes. Actors and actresses who've paid their dues by hunting the casting lines for bit parts and cheap productions while partaking in part-time jobs as store clerks and waitresses. Then a small break and a larger one and a larger one until the shock wave hits and the name nobody knew suddenly is scripted in neon. This is the story of George from whom it happened in reverse. In and out of trouble as a boy, there seemed to be no direction in his life. George, the young man, had no thoughts of becoming an actor, but the producers who discovered him recognized a natural talent. Somewhere buried beneath all the toughness, there was a freewheeling style, a beguiling, a beguiling nonchalance that attracted people to him. This decided the box office barons would make him a star. George's first film was completed in record time. Only a few days covered the entire shooting. Everything on the set was convinced, and the elated producers saw the character they had counted on come to life. It was a dream for a newcomer. Remember, George had never acted before, but his spoken, but his supporters had faith. But his supporters had faith so much, in fact, that he received twenty-five thousand dollars for his first job in the industry. When young George got the check, what do you think he did? No, he didn't lose it to slow horses and fast women, but neither did he put it in the bank. You see, these five figures on that little slip of paper symbolized his first success as an actor. Proudly, repeatedly, he displayed the check to all his friends and anyone else who might be impressed along the way. He carried it with him wherever he went. Now, months passed for George and his check. The honeymoon had come to an end. By the time he finally got to the bank, much had happened. The motion, the motion picture already released had failed. The producers were bankrupt. The check bounced. All George had to show for his hour of glory was an ego as deflated as his pockets. The silent film producers who spotted George had him pegged for as, as a star, and they were right. But it would take many years, many failures, and another profession to prove it. George would act again in a successful film, but only after he'd made a fabulous name for himself elsewhere. 
in that circuitous route to stardom, he would bring to the screen his own character and all the characteristics his fan had, fans had come to love. George never shook the toughness of youth, and that rugged, blunt-faced determination is summed up in a nickname the world knows well. It, If companion meteors have since flared out and burned to cosmic dust, his star still shines and will always shine. His name, George Herman Babe Ruth. Now you know the rest of the story. (laughs) That's a Paul Harvey story that he read on the air, and it was written by his son, Paul Arant. So now you know the rest of the story. Babe Ruth. His first name was George. That's right. (laughs) And he was a movie actor. Who knew? Who knew? All right. We're coming to the end of the show here. Let's talk about the riddles, the first riddle. EJ, what? was the belt arrested for? Why was the belt arrested? I have no idea. It's a simple one. It held up some pants. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what about the second one? You get that? It says, what did one elevator say to the other? What did one elevator say to the other? I don't know. I think I'm coming down with something. (laughs) (laughs) You can't help them laughing. All right, the last, the last riddle for the day. Mm. Small babies are delivered by a stork. Stork. I'm sorry. Small babies are delivered by a stork, not a stark, a stork. What are larger babies delivered by? Tell me the answer. I don't have it. A crane. (laughs) (laughs) If small babies are delivered by a stork, larger ones require a crane. Get it? (laughs) All right. We're at the end of the show. We're glad to have been here with you this week. I want to give you some words of wisdom for you to think about for this week. We'll be back with you next week. Here's these words of wisdom. The best motivation is self-motivation. The guy says, quote, I wish someone would come and turn me on. What if they don't show up? You've got to have a better plan for your life. You have to learn self-motivation. This is Birdsong. We'll be back with you next week. You want to say so long to the folks, EJ? A bientôt. Au revoir. Mes amis. Goodbye. This is Birdsong. We're out. <laughs>